Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Na'amaduhu anusalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. So continuing our exploration of the study of Quran, looking at ayah 3 of Al-Fatiha. Let's see, uh, let's see what uh, the, the authors have to say. Go for it. This verse repeats the two divine names, the, compassion, the compassionate Ar-Rahman and the merciful Ar-Rahim, that are recited in the Basmallah at the opening of each surah, except for Surah 9, Repentance of Al-Tawbah. Yeah. So, so there is a theory for why... Um, why uh, Surah 9 doesn't begin uh, with, with uh, the Basmalah. One theory is that the content of Surah Tawbah is very, very firm. And so it would not follow that it's beginning with mention of Allah's Rahmah. Another theory is that it's a sort of continuation or sequel to the previous Surah, Surah 8, Surah Al-Anfal, which is about the spoils of war. But the bottom line is, the real reason is that we do not begin it with, with the Basmalah because as far as we know, the Prophet did not begin it, peace be upon him, with Basmalah, right? So the, the other two reasons I gave are more rational theories, but the real reason is that we're following the model of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah. Okay. So the reason is just because? Yeah, you know, because he did. Yeah, yeah. Or he did or he did not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, both names are intensifications of the word Rahman, meaning mercy or loving mercy. Ar-Rahman, which is also the title of Surah 55, is considered to be more emphatic, embracing, and encompassing than Ar-Rahim. Mm-hmm. It is one of the divine names that cannot be applied to anything other than God, either literally or figuratively, since it connotes the loving mercy by which God brings forth existence. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at the time of the Quraysh, they did not accept this as one of the names of God. So some of them could accept that, okay, that God is Rahim, and they could accept other attributes of God, but they had trouble accepting this because what it's read from it is that Allah gives Rahmah to everything. And, and so their view was how could, you know, we can understand how we're receiving Rahmah, look at how rich we are, but what about a slave? What kind of Rahmah is that person uh, receiving, right? Or even animals, you know, you're telling me that animals are receiving Rahmah? And so people uh, at the time of the Prophet, peace on a lot of the, the uh, opposition, they struggled with accepting um, this uh, as one of the names of Allah. Was it not used as one of the names of Allah um, in Jahiliya? Yeah, uh, as far as I know, I mean, I, I don't recall coming across any name like Abdurrahman. I mean, like there's Abdullah. Uh, I don't recall coming across uh, Abdurrahman or anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what what is it? How is Islam able to change that? That it just became part of the tradition and people accepted it? Yeah, I mean, essentially part of the process is that, okay, that Allah Ta'ala uh, gives value to all of creation, even though it might seem ins- insignificant, like a bug, and and thus Allah Ta'ala uh, is in control of everything insignificant or significant. So it's not based on size, it's based on relationship to Allah. Okay. And here they, they write loving mercy mm-hmm. in the in the English mm-hmm. love is not implied in the word mercy so uh, I would say uh, love is not necessarily implied because imagine a judge giving clemency right you know you're asking for mercy from the court right uh, so it can include mercy but I don't think it necessarily includes mercy I mean, it can include love, yeah. but I don't think it necessarily includes love. Yeah. Um, 
is, where did I stop? It is one of the divine names that cannot be applied to anything other than God, literally or figuratively, since it connotes loving mercy by which God brings forth existence. Ar-Rahim indicates the blessing of nourishment by which God sustains each particular existent thing. Thus, it may apply figuratively to creatures, and the adjective Rahim is in fact used to describe the prophet in Surah 9, verse 128. Mm-hmm. As so, so a couple of points here. Um, <clears throat> commentators say when you see Rahman and Rahim together, the analogy of Rahman is like a mother's love to her child, and the analogy of Rahim, no, no, no. The analogy of Rahman is like uh, rain, and the analogy of Rahim is like a mother's love to her child. And what does that mean? When it's raining, it rains on everyone, regardless of your character, right? When the sun shines on everyone, regardless of how close you are to God. Okay. But Rahim is particular. And so Rahim, the relationship that, that Allah has with you is going to be different than the relationship that he has with me. And the relationship he has with believers in generally will be different than the relationship he has with non-believers, which will also be different than the relationship he has with rejectors. And so... So the point is that Rahim is getting into uh, a particular relationship. So it says, you know, um, Ar-Rahim indicates the blessing of nourishment, rizq, mm-hmm. by which God sustains each particular existent thing. Right. So there's a lot more emphasis on a particularity, the particular uh, interaction. Any say as to why they included the word figuratively? Um, don't know. Okay, and let's continue. As Ar-Rahman, as yeah. Ar-Rahman is more uh, encompassing, it is closer to the highest name of God, Allah. Uh, Surah 17, verse 110, enjoins the Prophet to say, Call upon God or call upon the compassionate. Whichever you call upon, to him belong the most beautiful names. Mm-hmm. So, so, what are the purposes of these names? Like, uh, uh, we have God as one. But then the concern becomes, well, how do I perceive of Allah? How do I interact with Allah? And this is a point that I think you've heard me bring up many times. Sometimes people will see Allah as punisher, right? Sometimes people will see Allah as absent. And so one function of all these names is to dictate, is to teach me how I should perceive Allah. So if you imagine Allah right now, whatever that means, like, you know, like whatever it is that's witnessing you, um, then if you add to that, that it's that whatever this is that's witnessing you is merciful, then it might make this witness feel more soft. Um, if you add merciful and just, then there might uh, be some firmness. And so the point is to try to, uh, uh, to take in all of these different attributes to have as full of an understanding of Allah as you're capable of doing. Um, but if all you had was just the name of Allah, that's sufficient, because they're all still referring to Allah. Right? It's not like, it's not like you know, these are three different or 99 different beings in one. Mm-hmm. Right? This is just Allah. So. But the, the, the point being that we really can't conceptualize of Allah. Well, it's like we can't say that we can or can't, right? Because if we say we can't conceptualize Allah, um, I mean, I don't think anybody would disagree, uh, or I don't think too many people would disagree, but, like, how do we know? Okay. 
because we we can't confirm that we can't conceptualize Allah, right? See what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, for easy purposes, you can say, yeah, we can't we can't fully conceptualize Allah, but to to make it even more accurate, uh, you know, Allah is not bound by our conception of Him. True. Yeah. And might you say a not in not in all cases, no, but a, a person's a person's conception of Allah might very well be a bit more reflective of themselves than of Allah. Yeah, very much so. That is definitely true. And and part of the whole journey is is to is to shift from looking at Allah according to whatever it is you see in yourself. Because your perception of Allah will be reflecting what you what you see in yourself. Your perception of the Muslim Ummah will be that way. Your perception of the Prophet peace be upon him will be that way. It's your nafs which is dictating what you think you're seeing. And then the goal is to shift away from the nafs to to let you know Allah Taala disclose Himself to you. So how how do you move away from that? So this is a, a part of the whole. Or you know the first starting point is is to fulfill the fard obligations. And then as you're fulfilling the further obligations to fulfill the nafil, obliga- the nafil practices too. And then Allah Ta'ala says, I become the eyes with which he sees and the feet with which he walks, so forth and so on. Is that a hadith? Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, um, the relationship between them is thus presented, is that of different levels or degrees of light. Ar-Rahman is like the light of the sun that illuminates the whole sky. And Arahim is like the particular ray of sunlight that touches a creature. In Islamic metaphysics and cosmology, it is stated that it was by God breathing the breath of the compassionate, Nafas Arahman, upon the immutable essences. I'm not sure I can say that. Al-Ayan al-Thabita. Which are the archetypes of all things and divine knowledge that the world was brought into being. From this perspective, the very existence of the world is, in essence, nothing but the breath of divine compassion. Okay, so so one thing you're going to see in this whole commentary is that it leads more towards the abstract and the metaphysical. Yeah, that sounds right? very Sufi. Yeah, from what I understand of Sufism. Yeah, and so and so. Uh, okay, so how do we put this in simple language? Okay, <laughs> compared to Allah, if it was possible to compare, which it is not. Uh, I am nothing compared to Allah. Yeah. Uh, but it is not possible to even compare anything to Allah. Okay, which means I'm especially nothing. Okay. And then what does that mean? That I am only what Allah Ta'ala values of me or what Allah Ta'ala makes of me. Okay. <laughs> Meaning I'm nothing else other than that. Now, your journey as, as a believer seeking to get closer to God is to shift from having this focus on yourself to removing that focus on yourself, okay? to allowing yourself to uh, actually be whatever Allah Ta'ala values you at. Okay? So often you'll hear, um, it's simplistic language, people say, okay, you're basically removing your ego or you're removing your will, your independent will and surrendering completely. And that's why we were saying, how do I fulfill this? By the fard, because that's surrendering, mm-hmm. and then by the nafil, that's voluntary surrender, right? And and so, then taking this point further, then what is my being? It's whatever this whatever Allah Taala is breathing of me. Okay, 
but what does it mean that Allah Ta'ala is breathing? Does he have nostrils? Right? It doesn't... Uh, that was... Uh, I was listening to this audiobook of Carl Sagan, and he makes the point about, okay, if Jesus is God, um, then why does he have nostrils? Right? Does that mean he has to breathe? Does that mean he's then, then dependent upon oxygen or whatever? Right? But we do have this language in our tradition that Allah Ta'ala uh, has breath. But the way we describe it is that we say, yes, he does, because he says it, but we don't know how. So like when Allah Ta'ala has a chair, the kursi, mm -hmm. yes, it is, a, it is a thing, but we don't know how. Right? So that's how it's commonly answered. So when it's saying uh, it's his breath, who knows what it could mean. Right? Um, but it is not limited by what we understand breath to mean. Because then I might I suggest the, the language of breath makes it sound very easy. Uh, what does that mean? Like, like cre creation was easy. Okay. That it, it's it's a it's a small yeah a small feat. Yeah, I'd say that part's very true, right? So, you know, in our outlook, he did not need a day of rest. Uh, for him. Um, um, it was not at all difficult to create the entirety of the universe or all the universes, the multiverses, whatever, right? Um, um, that it's an easy thing for Allah. Right. And yeah, and so yeah, what you see in a lot of this commentary, it gets into more of these abstract points, which uh, I regard as more advanced. Um, but yeah, let's keep exploring. Together, these two names refer to two aspects of divine mercy, Rahmah. One essential and universal, the other attributive and particular. The first is that by which creation is brought forth, while the second is that by which God shows mercy to those whom he will. As in uh, Surah 33, uh, 43, and he is merciful, Rahim, unto the believers. The essential and universal mercy is that of the compassionate, which God bestows upon all things through their very existence, and is the divine aspect referred to in Surah 20, verse 5. The compassionate mounted the throne, and so to 25 verse 59, then mounted the throne, the compassionate is he. Okay. So, <clears throat> one key point for our purposes is the fact of your existence is mercy. Right. Right. Um, you did not have to have existence. And sometimes when people go through intense sadness or depression, they might go so far as to wish that they did not have existence. That's a whole separate issue of its own. But we are saying by default, your existence is by definition Rahma. It is the manifestation of the Rahma of Allah. And then uh, we speak here uh, further about just the different ways it plays out, you know, that he, uh, uh, Rahman, he, he mounted the throne. And then, yeah, another ayah like that. But, yeah. Go on. Yeah. The particular mercy is that of the merciful through which... Each creature that exists is sustained and which varies in mode according to the manner in which this divine name or attribute has become manifest. Mm -hmm. So that's a continuation of the, of the point we just made. I'm not sure what I just read. Okay, so the particular mercy is that of the merciful, meaning Rahim, uh, through which each creature that exists is sustained and which varies in mode according to the manner in which this divine name or attribute has become manifest. Okay. That, just, that sounds like a very complicated articulation of what you generally describe as, as Rab. Okay, so it's very much like Rab, but here uh, it's Rahma. So think of Rab as the act of taking care of, or as uh, Allah taking care of you. But think of, of Rahim 
you being manifest unique from me, unique from this plant, in that way, you are manifest of Rahim, the plant is manifest of Rahim, I manifest of Rahim. Right? And so, yeah, so that particularity is what we've spoken about before when we speak about Rab. But the idea of Rab is that he's nourishing, Rahim is sustaining. Although, as you're seeing, they all overlap quite a bit. Is is there something accurate or something dangerous as perceiving everyone as a manifestation of mercy? Uh, I think, in principle, it's not wrong. Um, the only risk, uh, if we were to say that there's a risk, uh, it would be to say that with God, one who rejects and one who's a believer are the same. Okay. Um, and so, over and over again in the Quran, it says, you know, can the blind be equal to the one who sees? Right? In the physical realm, legal realm, yeah, they're the same. Right? In terms of crime and punishment. In terms of your relationship with God, the blind is the one who does not see God, and or who does not see guidance, and the seeing is the one who sees guidance. Right? And so they're not equal in terms of their relationship with Allah. So yeah, in one way, everything is a rahim, is a manifestation of the rahim using using this text as we're describing it. Um, but it doesn't mean that uh, they are the same with Allah. Yeah. It is evident that the divine names of beauty, such as the kind al-Latif, the clement al-Halim, and the beautiful Jamal, are manifestations of mercy. But in divine names of rigor, such as the powerful Al-Qadir, even... I'm sorry? Qadir. Qadir? Yeah. There is also a Qadir, but here it's Qadir. Oh, what, what's Qadir? So Qadir is, you know, one who is able or who does things. Qadir is one who's eternally able. Yeah. Um, the Avenger, Amuntakim. Yeah. The Abaser, Amudhil. Amudhil, yeah. Amudhil. The manifestation of divine mercy is veiled by the inseparability of God's kindness from his majesty and determinative power. Qadar. Okay, so what else is built into here is that in this framework that they're giving, the default attribute is the attribute of Rahma. And so that and so all of these different attributes are then branches of Rahma. So in the same way we were talking about how Rab, um, you know, Allah Ta'ala in terms of being nourisher, it over it, it overlaps with, with uh, merciful. And so in the same way, um, all of these do overlap, but they branch off of, uh, of Rahim. And then on top of that, he also makes this mention that there are two different types of attributes, the two categorizations, the divine names of beauty and the divine names of majesty or power. And so those that are related to beauty are like the kind, the, the clement, and the beautiful. And then those that are uh, manifestations of power are sort of um, uh, more focused on his ability. Okay. okay, continue. God is thus said to be compassionate toward all of creation and merciful toward the believers. Yeah. So Rahman for all of creation, but Rahim specifically for believers. What would you say is the difference between compassion and mercy? So basically he's translating Rahman as compassion and then Rahim as merciful. Okay, I see. A position between verse 2, which alludes to God being the sovereign over all dimensions of space, both seen and unseen, and verse 4, which alludes to God being the master of all time, since all things end on the day of judgment, this verse indicates that God's mercy encompasses and inter interpenetrates all time and all space. Mm -hmm. 
as in Surah 7, verse 156, my mercy encompasses all things. Okay, so one of the questions becomes, uh, is God present in this world? Now, for the lay believer, the answer is yeah, right? But when you really get into the philosophical particularities, which is where this book is leaping towards, um, then the, the, the question is, okay, how do you express it? Because, you know, if you're saying that God is present, then billah, it would be very disrespectful to say that, you know, you know, that the trash can, you know, has this connection, right, to, to, to the divine. And so, so the point is, how do you put this language? So one way to do so is that, you know, here he says he interpenetrates everything, okay, or his mercy encompasses everything. So it's almost like you're creating a distance between Allah and the thing by saying it's Allah's mercy that encompasses everything. So instead of saying Allah is present before everything, you say that Allah's mercy... Monday, September 25th, 2017, 2 p.m. That Allah's mercy uh, is present. Again, these are really, really fine theological details right, that are actually, again, uh, far more advanced um, than, than the booklet's on. Okay, let's stop right here. So we're at the bottom of the first column, page seven. So we'll start with ayah four next time, inshallah. inshallah. Any last questions? Alrighty. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta. Nasakfiruka natubi ilaik wa akhir da'wana. Anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.